0: And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. This is the On the Banks podcast. Follow us on Twitter at OTB
1: underscore SB Nation. Now, here's your host, Lance Glenn. Hello everyone, I am of course your host Lance Glynn and this is episode 56 of the On The Banks podcast, our first episode of 2020. At this point, 56 episodes in, you know where to find all of our episodes. You can find them on Apple Podcasts and Stitcher, just search On The Banks podcast. You can find them on your favorite podcast platform as well. And as always, you can find this episode, every episode, and so much great content by going to OnTheBanks.com. You know, I felt that it was only appropriate to start the 2020 on the Banks podcast campaign. Is only appropriate to start it off with the sport that is currently taking Rutgers by storm. Men's basketball is 12 and three, coming off a 72 to 61 win versus a ranked Penn State team at the rack. Their best start since the Final Four season in 1975 1976. They have casual fans, the hardcore fans, really the entire state of New Jersey, and a lot of the country for that matter as well. They have them believing that this team is for real, and this could be that drought-ending season that we have all been waiting for. With men's basketball drawing so much attention, you know, I spoke with the man who is with this team every step of the way, the voice of Rutgers basketball, Jerry Recco. You'll hear our conversation coming up shortly, and I think Rutgers fans, I think you'll really love what you're going to hear. But before we talk to Jerry, I just want to discuss this team really quickly. It's a fun group to watch. It's a likable group to watch. And it's a group of student athletes that are very easy to cheer for. Rutgers basketball, look, it's not always the prettiest basketball, obviously. And that's not the way Steve Peichel has really ever coached. And I think he's perfectly fine with that. This team is tough. This team is hard-nosed. They will out-hustle you. They will put more effort in than you do. And they will just simply play smarter than you. This team doesn't really hurt themselves too often, especially in big moments as we have seen in the last few games. And they have leaders who embrace the pressure and want the ball in their hands down the stretch. You know, I don't know how this season will end. You know, there's still, I believe, 16 Big Ten games left. And of course, you have the Big Ten tournament to play after that. We have seen how hard it is to win on the road in conference play and how even all of these teams really are. You know, any team really can beat any other team on any given night. But what Rutgers basketball has done, they've made us all believers. And we believe that this team, that this season, it's a season and a team that could really be something very, very special.
0: Time to talk to the reporters.
1: Here's your host, Lance Glenn. The Scarlet Knights are currently twelve and three, three and one in conference play after an exciting seventy two to sixty one victory over Penn State at the rack. They face Illinois next in Champaign on Saturday at noon. To talk about both those games as well as the season so far, I am happy to be joined by the voice of Rutgers men's basketball, Jerry Recco. Jerry, how are you? Thanks so much for coming on the podcast.
0: Oh, my pleasure, Lance. How you doing?
1: You know, Jerry, I'm good. And how can I not be after what was a great outcome against Penn State? And I want to start with what helped that outcome happen, and that was the great atmosphere at the rack. You know, we've seen opponents like Seton Hall, Wisconsin— Penn State, as I mentioned before, and of course, others come here, and they just haven't been themselves. They've struggled offensively. They've struggled with all the noise and the 8,000 fans surrounding them. The Scarlet Knights, they're 11-0 and at home this season. In your now four years with Rutgers, is this the craziest, the most excited you've seen the rack? I don't
0: know about the craziest. I mean, the expectations have certainly been raised, and and so far the team's meeting those expectations. We got a long way to go, but um, I know the interest is certainly there. There is excitement around the program, and I think there was excitement around the program coming into last year, uh, in year three. And I thought it was another good season, another. Uh, step in the process, and I think this year um, people are really hoping, expecting whatever word you want to use for some sort of postseason play from this team beyond the Big Ten tournament, whether it's NIT, whether it's NCAA, whatever the case might be. Um, The rack is great. I mean, Steve Peichel has done from day one, I think, an amazing job of engaging the students, uh, even the alumni, about getting to the game, supporting the team, making it a very difficult place to play for opposing teams. And... You know, the one thing that's been a constant from all these opposing coaches when they leave here, especially the ones that either win close games or lose, is that it is a difficult, difficult place to go. And it may only be between 8 and 8,500 people, you know, you know, comparatively to Nebraska's 15,000 and other stadiums like that. But, you know, it's loud, it's tight, and it's a lot of fun. You know, last night, Tuesday night was very interesting because the game was ugly. The first 10 minutes was brutal from both sides. And it it took, you know, I would say the fans were just waiting for something big to happen so that they could kind of, you know, get going. And midway through that first half, it happened, and they never sat down the rest of the way. It was pretty cool.
1: Like you said, the the fan base was just waiting. And I thought in that game, it was so important that Rutgers went to halftime only down five because I think they didn't make their first field goal until at least eight minutes into the game. I think it was around the 12-30 mark, so I guess seven and a half. They really seemed to struggle offensively to find their groove, and the fact that their defense kind of carried them and kept it close throughout that, you know, the, the beginning of the first half, I thought was so important to them ultimately coming back, going on the run to start the second, and you know ultimately coming away with a victory.
0: Well, if you go back to year one of Steve Peichel, when the team wasn't exactly the most talented team uh put on paper, they figured the only way you can compete is you play defense. And from year one to year two to year three, year four, you've seen the changeover and the turnover in the roster and you've seen more talented offensive players uh come in, the Ron Harpers, the Caleb McConnells, Geo Bakers, guys like that. Now Paul Mulcahy, but they also defend and You know, the one thing, you know, Coach Peichel has talked about from the first day he was here, no matter what your roster is, defense and effort travels, and that was kind of what we saw Tuesday night while they weren't scoring, and of course Baker's out with the injury, the defense never let up, and sure they were trailing, and I agree with you, you know, getting that game to five at halftime was huge. To me, the magic number is always under 10. If you keep a game under 10, you're right in the game. You're just a little mini run away from being within striking distance. And they did a good job. No one could make a shot in those first six, seven minutes. And I think you're right. I think it was, I want to say it was about the, I want to say 12-20 to go in the half before they hit their first field goal. But you got some free throws that were made that kept them in the game. But the defense was everything because Penn State very well could have run away with that thing early. And Rutgers didn't allow them do it defensively. And that's a credit to the coaching staff having that team ready to go.
1: So let's look at the last few seasons compared to this one. Where have you seen the greatest improvement with this team that has you know helped them get to the point where fans now are thinking that, hey, this could be one of those special, one of those drought-ending seasons?
0: It might be a very simplistic answer, but I'll say it with one play, the alley-oop. I mean, you know, that's an exciting play in basketball. If you watch this team this year, they are making plays on a game-in, game-out basis that, you know, they electrify uh, a fan base and a crowd. Now... There weren't many of them. I think there was only one of them Tuesday night. But you look at, you know, the first fourteen, fifteen games of the season, the first fourteen, uh, going into the game against Penn State, and they're so good at it. You know, they 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 have those plays scripted out off timeouts, and they execute them to perfection sometimes. Their talent level is so much greater today than it was three and a half years ago. And no disrespect to the guys on that team, you know, four years ago, four seasons ago. It's just different. And to me, the biggest difference is they can score. They go through droughts just like every team does. That's never going to go away. But they didn't have a kid the caliber as good as Corey Sanders was, and he was tremendous. wasn't the shooter that Ron Harper can be. He wasn't the shooter that Caleb McConnell can be. Um, You know, Jacob Young is the type of kid that slashes and knifes his way to the basket, and he's electrifying. So you have different players doing different things. And, you know, when Geo Baker goes down with an injury, most people would say, oh, no, there goes the season. Well, you know what it is? Instead, it's an opportunity for someone else to start in his place, and this team is 10 and 11 kids deep. And while you need Baker out there, you're finding out that they can still win without him. And the one cool thing about the game against Penn State Tuesday night, and I'm not sure how much play it got, they were down five at the half. They didn't play well, and they came out like their rear ends were on fire. And we come to find out that that big talking to at halftime was not the coaching staff, it was Geo Baker, who has really become a coach on the bench while he's out. And we saw that in Nebraska, too, when timeouts would be called. You know, usually the coaches confer, and the players wait for the coaches to come talk to them. Well, in Nebraska, when the coaches were talking about what they were going to discuss with the players, Baker was the first one up in that huddle acting like a coach. And it's just been, it's just a good mix. It's a good group of kids, it's a good mix of players. And right now, it's working.
1: And, you know, you mentioned the Geo Baker injury and what he's been able to do on the sidelines really as a coach for the time being. And, you know, when you lose such a key piece to injury, obviously others are, they're forced to step up. You know, we've seen that recently with, you know, other pieces filling that guard spot alongside Montez Mathis. You know, obviously this team to make a run deep in, whether it be the Big Ten tournament or any postseason play that they have coming, on the floor, they need Geo Baker leading this group from that point guard spot. But at least in the short term, do you think his absence and the adversity that this team faces because of it has helped them grow, knowing that they don't have Geo on the floor to rely on if they need someone to make a big play late in the game?
0: I think so. I mean, I, I also think the addition of Akwasi Yeboah has been really important for this team. He brings a certain level of maturity, and you know, I do a, I do a podcast with with Coach Peichel, uh, every couple of weeks as well and the one thing I said to him in the last one that we recorded was for, and, and forget the numbers, you can look at a box score and numbers lie sometimes but when he's on the floor there's just a certain calmness when you're watching this team that you kind of feel like he'll slow it down and, and things will be okay uh, and I think you're right, I think this team with, with Geo out is learning and I think they'll be fine, I think they're figuring it out and finding different ways to play and win and You know, you talk about depth and you talk about a team that has interchangeable parts. The one thing that me and Joe Boylan have talked about many times now through the course of this season, through the first 15 games, is we have no idea going into a game who the leader is going to be in points. You know, who's going to take charge offensively. You know, if you watch the Bulls back in the day, 90% of the time you knew Michael Jordan was going to be the star. If you watch the Knicks, 90% of the time you knew it was Patrick Ewing. You watch this team... And you could just look at the last two games as a microcosm of what we're talking about in Nebraska, miles Johnson, you know, was playing like a man possessed and Caleb McConnell, we called him Mr. Perfect in the post game interview. Cause he was, he was eight for eight from the field. He was four for four from the free throw line. He didn't miss. Now you look at the game against Penn state. And if I tell you that Caleb's only going to have two points, and those two points are going to come late and miles is going to be held to check the 10 and five and Geo's out. I think you tell me, oof, it's going to be a rough night. But instead, you get big nights from Jacob Young. You get a big burst from from Montez Mathis. You get, you know, uh, Ron Harper Jr. doing what he did, and it's just like you don't know in a particular game who's going to do what, and that's what that's one of the reasons I love this team.
1: You mentioned Jacob Young, and I've been impressed with Jacob Young the last couple games. Really starting at the Caldwell game, going from Nebraska to Penn State as well. Because some of the common criticism when he, you know, when the season first began was he was a little wild. So you know he's obviously very quick, but sometimes he was playing too quick. He would you know commit a couple turnovers, and, and you know he would get kind of lost in there. But I think he's really calmed down and let the game come more to him. Obviously, we saw in Nebraska specifically, we saw him use his speed so well. Really get past Nebraska and get to the rim. What do you think about Jacob Young and how he's really? Impressed improved specifically in these last three games and help provide that big time scoring off the bench for Rutgers.
0: i think he's become everything they need he's instant offense if they need it i think he's the type of kid that if you got to get to the foul line he can take the ball and get his way to the rim he's going to get fouled he's going to go to the line his pace is a little um it a little it is a little up and down for sure and i think early on it took him a while you know to kind of find his foot uh his footing because you know it's you know, it wasn't starting and you're coming off the bench and you may make a couple of mistakes and you're going to sit and you don't really get into a rhythm and i think you mentioned the caldwell game that was the perfect coming out party for him because i think while he's so much more talented no disrespect to the caldwell kids but you could see the talent level is just different he's got an extra gear you know if he's in fifth gear or other players are fifth gear he's got a sixth and a seventh gear and he's just so explosive to the basket. That game, at least, watching it, to me, did wonders for him. Then he takes it into Nebraska, and, I mean, when he came in, you could see he had one thing in mind, get to the rim. And then when they needed him against Penn State, you know, same type of thing. And when he plays in control and he's not you know his mind is not moving faster than his body or his body's not moving faster than his mind he is really talented and i think again it's kind of you know the job of the coaching staff to find the proper rotation it seems like they have now uh he gets in in the right spot he can be really dangerous and that makes this team so much better
1: so, I want to go back to defense. And on the defensive end, all you have to really look at is what Rutgers has been able to do most of the time against the opponent's best player. Just look at the last two games, for example. You know, they held Cam Mack for Nebraska under a season average. I think he was averaging around 13. He had either 10 or 11. And they really shut down Lamar Stevens in the last game against Penn State, holding him under his season average. And I know he finished with double digits, but he was really invisible for a lot of the game. And we talked about how if it wasn't for that defense, Penn State early could have extended their lead, and who knows what happens. When you watch this team play, what do you see that makes them so astute defensively and and makes them just so hard to score against?
0: Toughness. It's something that a coach was looking for early on. I don't think he loved it in the first couple of games. But gradually, it's gotten better and better and better. And I think Miles' presence has been dominant inside. Um, I think Shaq Carter has been really good. Shaq has been good on both ends of the floor, but defensively, at least in my opinion, he's been really solid. Um, Jacob Young's defense is tight. He annoys opponents because he's so up in your face. Uh, there's a there's a certain toughness that this team plays with. I love watching Mont. I know Montez Mathis' uh, offensive numbers haven't been to what people might have expected, but i got to tell you, he plays with such a level of determination and hustle And defensively, he's gotten so good. Um, He's doing a lot more than what the box score might show. So I think in a word, (laughs) toughness is the answer. They don't seem to fear an opponent. They don't seem to fear a building or an atmosphere or an environment. Uh, And I think that's a big part of it. I'll tell you one thing, too, that's a big part of it. This team is so well coached. You know, we get to go... You know, Joe Borland goes to most film studies. I'll go to a couple here and there. But watching them in practice, watching them in shoot around, it's just, you know, what what, what Steve Peichel and his staff have done. I'm not going to run through all of them because I'll forget one and I don't want to do that. Um, <laughs> to me, is remarkable. It is. It's remarkable. And, you know, Brandon Knight, Steve Hayne, all these, it's just, you know, Coach Hobbs, it is tremendous watching them work in unison together. And I can't really think of any game, even the one they've lost where to me they weren't prepared, and I'll take you through the three. The St. Bonaventure game, and I know some people were killing them for that game, that to me was one of those games where St. Bonaventure just didn't miss a shot. It was one of those nights where the rim was bigger for them, and there was a lid on the rim for Rutgers the other way, but I thought their effort was tremendous. Um, you know, you look at the other couple of games they lost at Pittsburgh and at Michigan State. The Pittsburgh one was puzzling because it seemed like the game sped up on them and they just never got it back. But I didn't think they were ill-prepared. And I don't think they played well at Michigan State. They were just better that night. Um, I look at the 15 games so far, and really the four years, the three-plus years, they always seem to be prepared. And that's a huge credit to the coaching staff.
1: You know, Miles Johnson, before our eyes, I think is molding into one of the best uh, big men in the Big Ten, one of the most dominant you know, he's been mostly staying at a foul trouble lately, which I think is benefiting him greatly, and that was something that haunted him at the beginning of the year. What's impressed you most about him this season and how he has developed, not just from last year to this year, but I think how he's developed during this season as as it has progressed. How much time we have? We have plan- <laughs> as much as you want.
0: <laughs> everything. To answer your question, everything. Let's start with his character. He's about as nice a kid as as I've ever been around, and trust me, I'm not having big conversations with him at all. Aside from, hey, <laughs> how are you? You and, you and
1: you and him aren't having you and him aren't having plenty of engineering <laughs> conversations. Is that what you're telling
0: me? <laughs> no, we are not having conversations. We're not talking about engineering and uh, nothing of nothing like that. But I'm certainly around him, and you can see he's just got such a nice disposition. He seems like such a good kid, and then he gets on the floor, and you watch him play, and the way he has developed, watching his offensive game. I am not telling you he's going to be an NBA player by any stretch, because no one knows. But he's got that type of game. He's got the back to the basket game. He's got the mean streak in him, like the game at Nebraska uh, when the kid Cross got chippy. Miles went from pleasant focus to, all right, you want to do this? Now I'm going to dunk in your face a couple of times. Um, defensively, he goes after things with aggression. He blocks shots. He can. It sounds crazy, but sometimes on a switch, he can he can guard the smaller player. There is. I'll say this, in the time I've seen him play, I have not found many weaknesses in his game. Aside from the fact that he's shooting 40% of the free throw line, beyond that, I don't know that there's too much in his game that I don't like, and it's still developing, and it's only getting better. I agree with you, he is quickly becoming one of the the best big men in this conference.
1: I think that in-season and that season-to-season progress is also very evident with Ron Harper Jr., He really showed that against Penn State, he embraces the pressure of a big game with the ball in his hands. 12-for-12 from the line, a game-high 22 points, when Rutgers needed a run late to put the game out of reach. Coach obviously called on number 24 to put it away for good. You know, we talked about Miles' development as one of the top big men in the league, but do you think we are seeing Ron grow as one of the best scorers and really all-around players that the Big Ten has to offer? Yeah,
0: well, it goes back to what I said before. I mean, I think... You know, the difference between this team and, and teams under Coach Michael the last three and a half years, I mean, they've got a guy, you know, in the past it was they need to score, you go to Corey Sanders. You know, you need to score. Well, you better hope Gio Pinker's still got enough in his legs because he's, you know, playing 39 minutes and he's probably exhausted. You know, maybe for sure Eugene Marugi uh, last year became that type of player. Ron Harper is that guy now. I mean, you've got – and again, that comes to the – to the composition of this team now when you look at what they have assembled. You know, it doesn't have to just be Ron, but I do think you're very comfortable with the ball in his hands. The fact that he was running the point last night in crunch time in the last five, six minutes. All right, you guys are down. You're going to need the foul. Fine, we're going to put it in his hands, put him to the line, because we, pretty feel, we feel pretty good that he's going to go up and knock down the shots. He's got the, the driving capability. He's got the step-back jumper capability. And as we know, he's got great bloodlines. His dad played in the NBA, so he's been around it. And I don't think anything phases him. The beauty of Ron Harper Jr. is, I think, he's just scratching the surface of how good he can be. I don't think we've even come close to seeing the best of what he's going to be. So, yeah, I mean, that's another player where the development is happening right in front of our eyes, and it's happening in season. And that's what is probably most exciting about this team is, um, as good as they've been, and I don't know how this season's going to go. Right now, it's been tremendous. Who knows? Injuries happen. You know, you certainly can stub your toe in certain arenas, and there could be a five-game losing streak looming. You don't know. But through 15 games, you see a team that is getting more and more confident, that's getting better and better and better. And most importantly, having fun playing with one another, and they're playing an unselfish brand of basketball. And I think that's pretty cool and a pretty good lesson for people watching.
1: How impressed have you been with the way this team's kind of adjusted to a different role this season? And what I mean by that is, you know, the last few years, they've been underdogs in most games. While this season, in most of their games thus far, they've been the favorite. And sometimes going from Hunter to now the Hunted really isn't easy to do. How do you think they've taken on that change in role of being a team that's expected now to beat more teams than they would have been in the past?
0: Personally, I think they love it. It's funny you say that because... Uh, When I was leaving for the game, I guess it was the night before, I guess on Monday, talking to my wife about, you know, the game on Tuesday against Penn State. And, you know, she just said, boy, they won in Nebraska. What do you think about tomorrow? And I said, you know what's funny about that is when we first started doing this, at least for me year one uh, with Steve Peichel and this new regime, I remember going to these games and saying, boy, you know, hope they can play tough and they can hang around and make it a game because there were no expectations year one and then year two you know it's well can they can they win a game or two in the conference and you know maybe get a road win and year three it's hey maybe we got a chance to be halfway decent now it's you expect them to win I mean it's as crazy as this sounds you know they went into Michigan State on that Sunday night it wasn't can you still hang around it was let's go beat Tom Izzo's team. And, you know, it was a a really confident group. at shoot around. I thought they played well. It didn't work out for them in the end. But I think they're handling the expectations just fine. I think, you know, I think they look around the room and they see a lot of talent, and I think they believe in themselves. And to me, that's about as powerful as anything a team can have. And I think they're handling expectations fine. I think they go into Illinois on Saturday, which is going to be a brutal place to play And I think they're going to wake up early Saturday morning with every expectation to win that game. And I'll tell you another thing they've done well. And I think it's very easy um, for teams to look ahead. You know, I thought the Caldwell game was interesting because of what was behind it. There have been many times this year where you've had big games looming, and this team still comes out and plays well. I just like the way they prepare it. I like the way they go game to game or half to half, whatever you want to call it. Uh, I think they're embracing the challenges as much as any
1: team can. And do you credit the embracing the challenge to just how close and tight-knit this team is? Because I remember after that Caldwell game, I was driving home from it, and I was listening to you and Joe's post game, and you guys had Joey Downs on, and I remember him saying that this team was just so close, they they loved playing with one another, and they played for each other. Do you credit the embracing the challenge and the going out and expecting to win to just how close this team is and how much they trust one another with the ball in their hands?
0: I mean, that's part of it, I think... I think success breeds success. I think that's that's number one. I, you know, it's Again, if you go year to year to year now, to year four, there's been a step made every single year. And so far, again, only 15 games in, it looks like this team's on the verge of taking another step, if not another couple steps. Um, and I think that that helps along in the process. Geo Baker has been through Coach made it, speaking of Geo and what you're talking about, I remember talking to Coach in his office, and I don't remember if he said it on a pregame interview or not, or if it was after we were done taping, but it was kind of as if after they beat Seton Hall a couple of years ago, and I don't remember who they played, they came out and they laid an egg the game after. And Geo was part of that, and Coach was telling me how he made sure he talked to Geo to inf- to get make sure the team knows this can very easily happen. You just beat Seton Hall. You beat a ranked team. The place was on fire again. It was awesome. Don't screw it up by coming out and losing the next game. And I think it's just experience. It's it's success. It's experience. It's playing together. I think it's everything. I think at the end of the day, these guys are on the floor they are playing basketball. I think sometimes we read too much into it. You know, in terms of how uh, how much they like each other. A lot of teams like each other. If you're not good enough, you're not good enough. This team is really talented, and they like each other, and they've got some experience behind them now. They've played in some big games, and I think we're starting to see the culmination of it all.
1: Jerry, a couple more before I let you go. You know, I'm going to ask you this question. It's become a popular conversation amongst fans And if I asked Coach Peichel, obviously he would brush it off. He wouldn't care about it, and he would really just care about that next game. So I'll ask you this. Obviously, the new polls, they haven't come out yet, and this team still has to play another game against Illinois on Saturday. Some analysts have their own rankings, and Rutgers has been in the top 25 in them. But looking at both the AP and Coach's poll when they're next released, do you think Rutgers should be ranked, and if not at least ranked, be getting votes and be getting a significant amount of votes as they try and creep closer to the top 25 in the nation?
0: Yeah, I think so. I mean, you know, the way college basketball is going, you know, wins at Nebraska, a win over Wisconsin, a win over Seton Hall, ranked at the time, a win over Penn State, ranked at the time. Um, You know, they've got a lot of really good wins to their credit. 11-0 at home. Um, it's hard to argue with that. If they're not in the top 25, a 100% I think they should be getting votes. I mean, Stephen of Austin uh, garnered a couple of votes this past week, and they beat them rather handily. Uh, Seton Hall is either in the top 25 in one or receiving a lot of votes in the other. They beat them, and, and Seton Hall is a really good team. We know that. Uh, I do know in the CBS Sports poll, I think they were ranked 21st that came out on, uh, on Wednesday. Um, so the attention and the recognition is coming. You're starting to see not just college basketball people, but some of the big with the John Rothsteins of the world who really follow it, uh, really praising what this team is doing. And I think things like that uh, go a long way. I think Andy Katz, I think it was him, posting, you know, college basketball better take notice because the arrival of Rutgers is either here or on the verge of being here, something along those lines. So I think people are noticing, and I do think, if not this week, if they keep playing well, and they don't have to win every game. I mean, this is not a team that's going to go... No disrespect to Rutgers, I don't think they're going 28-3, um, but if they keep playing this brand of basketball and they keep winning games that maybe they shouldn't, as long as they are the games they should, then yeah, I think that top 25 ranking is right around the corner, and it might be sooner rather than later.
1: So, Jerry, last one. You know, there are a lot of droughts that Rutgers basketball is facing. They they haven't had an, an over 500 year, excuse me, since the 2005 2006 season. They haven't made the NIT since that same year. And of course, the big one Rutgers hasn't made the NCAA tournament since that 1990 1991 season. You know, I wasn't born until 1996. I've never seen a Rutgers NCAA tournament team. A lot of younger Rutgers fans are like me, as well, you know, a long-time Rutgers fans, they're hoping that maybe this long drought, this almost 30-year drought, finally comes to an end. It's hard to ask if you think they will do it with so much season left. So, Jerry, I'll ask you this. Do you think this team has what it takes to make the NCAA tournament and really end that drought that has haunted Rutgers fans for decades?
0: Oh, 100%. I mean, I think if you look at this conference and how difficult this conference is, I would think, I mean, I could be wrong, but I would think 19 wins, 18, 19 wins gets them in. Let's say we go low and say 18 wins get you in. It's an 18 and 13 season. Now, that to me, at this point, it's it's reachable. You're talking about going, win six more games out of the remaining, what do they have left? They got... Uh, 16 games, games, I remaining.
1: think, yeah. 16, 15, right. I believe. Yep. I,
0: yeah, I mean, you're talking about going six and nine the rest of the way, and I think this team is more than capable of doing that. I mean, again, I think if you told me they went 8-7 and seven over the final 15, that's pretty, gar- pretty darn good in this conference. And I think they'd actually be disappointed uh, if you told them that. So from that standpoint, if you told me 18 was the magic number from where they are now, yeah, it's possible. And, I, you know, I, I think everyone in that room would tell you that too. And I think, you know, I think they would all be lying to you if they didn't think the 21 season wasn't within their grasp. Um, it's not easy not going to be easy there's nothing easy about it but one thing this coaching staff is really good about and i think the players are too is taking it game by game enjoying the win when they get it that night and moving on very quickly and i'll tell you one thing about this coaching staff and i don't know who knows this who doesn't and maybe i'm telling secrets i shouldn't but it is amazing to me when we're on the road and, and i'll take you back to friday night in nebraska they not only beat Nebraska, but they bury them to the point where the crowd left stunned. I mean, the game was over midway through the second half for the most part, um, and there was no run, there was nothing that was going to happen that was going to stop Rutgers from winning that game on Friday night. And, you know, everybody's excited, but it was also very businesslike on the bus. There was no celebration. It was as if, all right, boys, nice job, and I don't beat the coaching staff. I mean, from, from Geo Baker and, and some of the other players. And I said to Joe Boylan, as we sat down on the bus, I'm like, this is a mature group. Like, in the past, a Big Ten win on the road, the guys would get on the bus like they just did something special. Friday night was like, yeah, we came here to win and we won. No, no one's shocked by it. And then you get on the plane, and you're not on the plane three minutes, and the coaches are already on to the next game and the film and break it down the film from Nebraska. And I know a lot of coaches do this. But my point is, I'm just... I'm just amazed at the business-like approach this team has, from the coaches all the way down to the players, to the student managers. Uh, it's a good group. It is fun to watch. and I really do hope that they do big things
1: the rest of the way. You know, this season has been a fun one, and he will be there every step of the way, bringing you every Rutgers basketball game on the Rutgers radio network. Jerry, you know it's crazy? This season has already had so much excitement, and we aren't even halfway through January. Thanks so much, as always, for coming on again and for talking some Rutgers hoops during this Exciting season already, and I'm sure more exciting moments to come.
0: Anytime, Lance. My pleasure. Enjoy.
1: I want to thank Jerry for coming on the podcast to talk about this special season so far. You know, I said to Jerry at the end, and it's really it's crazy to think about, but we've had so much excitement with this team already, and we're not even halfway through January. It's, it's January 10th. This team has caught the eyes of really every Rutgers alumni and the national media, and people are really talking positively about Rutgers basketball. And I think it's a credit to what Steve Peichel and the staff have done, and it's a credit to how this team has really come together, they've played for one another, they've played smart basketball, and they've most importantly, played winning basketball. There's obviously, look, so much season to go, and if they continue to play like they have been, that positive noise, it's only going to get louder and louder, and the expectations are only going to rise higher. Jerry said it in our conversation, this team is more than likely not going to go 28-3, and And frankly, we shouldn't expect that, obviously. You know, it'd be great if they did, but there are a lot of quality opponents left, and they have to play in a lot of very tough venues where road teams don't often go in and win. But what's so great about increased expectations is that the coaches don't worry about it, and frankly, neither do the players. Of course, they aren't blind to the hype that's coming towards them, but they focus on the next game. And that's really all us fans can ask for. But if you want to have a special season, the most important game of the season really is the next game of the season. And while, of course, that's incredibly cliche, and you know, I'm sure any of us who have ever had coaches have heard that saying, it, it's the truth. This team has goals in front of them, to win every game they play, and to do something that hasn't been done here in a while, since 1990-1991. If they keep their head down like they have, if they play basketball like they have and if they continue to represent Rutgers University like they already have, this, I believe, could be a very, very special season here on the Banks. Follow On The Banks on Twitter at OTB underscore SB Nation and subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts. Just search On The Banks Podcast.